just want to exhort you, encourage you tonight about the foundation for a great new year. Amen. Have you got your expector out there? Yes. Amen. Everybody say great new year. Great new year. And I want to just start off by just reminding you, you know, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature. The old has what? Passed away. away. And have you know the new is here. Now here's what I want to start out with tonight. That's not just one and done. Every day you get up, you should be expecting the new. Amen. For him to advance that transformation in your life, to advance what he's doing. How many you know you and I have not arrived? Uh, we did not get to the end point the day we got born again. Now there's some crazy folk who actually believe that. That you're fully sanctified the day you got born again. Now you were set apart. But say this to me, sanctification is instantaneous and progressive. Look at somebody and say, that means you're not done yet. So we should not be looking just for a one-time new birth experience and that's the, that's the, we're done with the new. No, you should be expecting God to do new things in you and through you every single day of your life. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 and 36, 26 speak of God taking out a stony heart and putting in a new heart. Have you noticed that even Christians can get hard? So again, it's not that God did one-time surgery on you and took out that stone. You have to guard your heart, don't you, church? And protect that heart so it doesn't become hard and stony. Because what you want to do is go into a new year soft and pliable, amen, repentant and humble, whatever He wants to say to you, you're ready to receive. How many are ready to let Him correct anything in your life He wants to correct? Deal with you about anything He wants to deal with you about? Why? For your good. One thing I'll tell you this is whatever God is dealing with you about, it's not to your harm. It's to your good and it's to the good of other people around you. So it's not just a new creation on the day you got born again, then he's done, or just, you know, cutting out the stony heart and putting a, a soft heart, a pliable heart, and then it's done. No, you and I have to maintain what God has done in our lives and continue to grow. In other words, there are levels of sensitivity. Are you here tonight? There are levels of, of softness before the Lord. Because God wants you to get a hold of scriptures like in Job chapter 8, verse 7. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will be, what? Your future. Amen. Doesn't matter how you started. It's what God is doing now and when you're headed that matters. Turn over just for a second over to Isaiah 43. And I... Uh, Get your eyes on the Word and get encouraged tonight. Aren't you glad He's not done with you? Say, so, well, I feel like He is, or somebody told me that He is, or people act like He is. Well, you're not going to get into the habit of taking your keys from people. No. You've come too far. Amen? Amen? It's what God says about you that matters. Amen. Verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You know, we can't hear that enough. Whether it is hurts and wounds and regrets or things that didn't work out or things that imploded, we have a way of hanging on to those things. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland, the wild animal, um, honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in a wasteland. Is he done doing that? No. no, he's doing something new. Say it with me. I have faith, I have faith for, the new. for the new. 
But you know, you're not going to have a new if you don't stop dwelling on the old. If your mind is somewhere in the past, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and what didn't work out, you're not going to be able to go in and do what God wants you to do. A parallel passage to that is Isaiah 42. When you say, I'm there, I'm there. Verse 9, see the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Uh, it's real important that we know what God says in His Word. It's real important that we line up our hearts, our minds, our believing, and our words to what He says. Because ultimately, whatever He's going to do, it's going to be preceded by a confession. Say it like this, what God is getting ready to do is always preceded by confession. We either agree with God or we agree with the enemy. Come on, say it, I'm going to agree with God. There's too much to lose if we don't agree with Him. But the longer I'm in ministry, the more I pick up on the plethora of voices out there that are not in agreement with God's Word. There are voices of religion and tradition and voices of the know-it-all and voices of the critics and voices of the people in the world, and they all have a better idea. That's why you and I have to be laser-focused on what did God say and be prepared to receive. And when you get a hold of a bone, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? You spit it out and you receive and chew and digest that which is nourishing. Now that's not the way it is in the modern body of Christ. If you find a bone anywhere in the mix, then where I found that bone, they can't teach me anything because I found a bone. Can I, can I let you in on a secret here? Every Christian, every denomination, every single century of Christians, we're all going to be corrected when we get to heaven. You know what he's going to say? He's going to say, I found bones in all of your teaching. So if you're one of these where, <coughs> well, I can't receive from that person because they're not perfect, or I witnessed some humanity in them. Can I let you in on something? All of God's servants have humanity. You're a human being. So I can't receive if I pick up on your imperfection. How ridiculous is that? Everybody God ever used throughout the Word of God had what? Imperfections except for what? Except for one. So if perfection was the qualification for God using us, then we're done. Amen? We might as well go ahead and sell this property back to the chicken farmer that sold us to us years ago. Just go ahead and make it a chicken farm again. Because you can't find any perfection here. You're going to find humanity. So when you find a bone, what do you do? Spit it out. You spit it out. But don't do what so many are doing, is throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, just, no, I can't take anything from you because I found it as a situation where I don't agree with you in that particular area. Now, how many are familiar with the series Chosen? Anybody watch it? Okay. Dynamite stuff. Powerful stuff. Ministering uh, in a way that, uh, that previous productions have not. But you're going to find, even in the Chosen, Bones. So, why I illustrate this tonight, the first thing I'm going to say is, don't throw the chosen out because not everything is perfect in the chosen. Now, if they would watch themselves and be more diligent to make sure they're on the Word of God, these kinds of redirections wouldn't be necessary. 
But I'm not going to say, oh, that, that chosen made an heir. Don't you dare watch that. Boy, that stuff will send you to hell. I'm telling you what, those people are pagans. They're heathens. Let me get on my YouTube channel and just criticize them. No, they're reaching people no other broadcast has ever reached in the history of mankind. You should pray for them. At the same time, I don't want you choking to death on a bone. And I can't be there 24, you don't want me there 24-7. Wake you up in the morning, tap you on the head, hello, amen. Let's jump into the Word of God, let's see what God says today. Follow you around like a little puppy dog, no, don't do that, don't say that. How many of this right now, just visions of that? That's enough. <laughs> but you know what can go with you all day long? Paul said this, the word is not chained. The word is not chained. The word goes with you. So recently, they in this new season, they did a broadcast uh, featuring James the Less. And James the Less requested of the Lord that he heal him. And the Lord refused to heal him. And told him that the reason he was not going to heal him is because he trusts him to bear this and produce basically a story that would glorify God. Now, that's an example of somebody who took their religious filter and then made a scene in a series instead of going to the Word of God. First of all, let me put it this way. Um, there's no way anyone could have been a cripple in a crippled condition and kept up with Jesus and the other disciples. They traveled hundreds of miles by what? By foot. They would constantly be trying to get James back up to the rest of the group or constantly getting him back up where he belongs. That's the first issue that you have with it. Um, watch this now. Everybody say the Word of God. Say it will be first place and final authority. The second thing is there is no translation, there is no manuscript anywhere in the history of Christianity that tells the story of James the Less being infirmed and came to Jesus requesting healing. It does not exist. So why would they put it in there? Because even good people with good intentions who can win people to Jesus sometimes have agendas. You know, my agenda is, my job is, is to encourage you to believe God for everything in the blood of Jesus he died to give you. And don't sell yourself short. Amen. You take a hold of everything. I don't care where the voice comes from, how perfected, how polished it is. You hold on to the word of God. Amen. I remember uh, in scripture, blind Bartimaeus, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, which is messianic by faith, crying out, he knew who he was. Messiah, have mercy on me. You know what all the people told him to do? I just don't think it was the disciples that told him to shut up. I, I believe the common people told him to shut up. The people that were there for their own interest told him to shut up. The leaders of the law told him to shut up. Probably a centurion or two told him to shut up. The whole world would say, shut up believing God for something like that. And you know what he did? He yelled all the more. Until the point where they said, be of good cheer. The same people that told him to shut up. And I said, cheer up. Make up your mind. <laughs> On your feet. He's calling you. And you know what happened when he got there? What do you want me to do for you? That's what happens when a believer knows what God's word says and refuses to shut up. Refuses to back down. Come on, say, I don't back down. I don't shut up. I cry all the more. 
You tell me God doesn't forgive sin, I cry out all the more, yes, he does. You tell me he doesn't heal, I cry out all the more, yes, he does. He didn't prosper, oh yes, I cry out all the more, he prospers. You tell me he doesn't deliver, I cry out all the more, he delivers. A fascinating story that I recently heard, and um, there's a man named uh, Jonathan Cain, that's his stage name. He actually wrote most of the songs for the rock band Journey through the years. Jonathan Cain is, is presently married to Paula White, uh, minister and, and evangelist. And in fact, Paula White prophesied that Trump one day would be president and actually laid hands on him. There's a backstory to that as well. But he's married to her now. And uh, he went through a lot, of, a lot of struggles. First of all, he was, uh, he was three or four years old in a lake, and he was drowning underwater. And out of nowhere, this man came, got in there, and he felt the hand pulled him up out of the water and saved his life. He gave him mouth-to-mouth -mouth suscitation, literally saved, brought him back to life. Brought him where his parents were, and his parents were like, well, no big deal, you're fine, just shake it off, you know. But he, he was trying to explain to them, I, I was dead, you understand? I was, I was dying, I was gone. And then later on, is an elementary school in Chicago, that's, I believe it was a Catholic school, that school burned, I think about 100 kids were killed in that school that day. He survived. How many know that God has a plan? Yes. Amen. And uh, all this backstory in his life. And he had problems with uh, strongholds and different things in his life. And how many ever heard a song called Open Arms? Raise your hand if you ever heard that song. It's a ballad that he wrote originally for John Waite's band, and he, he turned it down, and then he and Steve Perry finished writing it. And the story goes, it sounds like a story about a man who's longing for a lost love, but in reality, it's a man longing for the return of the love he had with Jesus Christ. You'll never, ever listen to that song the same way again, will you? How God can use, amen, somebody in such a powerful way. Amen. And he's not done today, is he? Look at somebody and say, he's not done with you. What do you do? You cry out all the more. Can he deliver you? Yes. His testimony is after getting away from the Lord, the Lord restored him and set him free from every bondage that he had. It wasn't I got you know, saved and everything was great and perfect. I had no problems, no failures. No, he had those, but he returned to the Lord. Amen. Fascinating story. Yours is too. And yours is not done yet. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. My, my best days. Are ahead of me. So somebody tells you that, you know, God didn't care about your healing, your deliverance, your victory, your peace, your marriage, your finances, you know, your body, whatever it is, you just shout out all the more. Amen. Son of David, have what? Mercy. Have mercy on me. And he wasn't asking to be saved from sin that day. And yet, what did the Lord do? He gave him what he had requested. What's wrong with this story in, in uh, The Chosen? James was not infirmed. There's no story ever recorded in the Word of God of this interchange. And third, from Matthew to John, read it for yourself. Jesus never turned anyone down for healing. So in a way, this is not a big deal. In another way, it's a huge deal. Because it reaffirms the, the secessionist, anti-God, anti-supernatural agenda that's out there. You say, what does that mean? It's a lie. If he had gone up to Jesus, he would have walked away healed. According to what? According to the word. Come on, say it. First place. First place. Final authority. 
One of the first things I did as a baby Christian, newly born again, spirit filled, was read from cover to cover the Gospels. And that's the first thing that, that was striking to me. The Bible used words like he healed them all, every and all, and he never turned anyone down. There's a man with a withered hand, wanted to be healed. He walked away what? Healed. There was a man who washed in the pool of Siloam, and yet he couldn't get there in time because there was no way for him to get in there before somebody else got in there when the angel troubled the waters. But what did the Lord do? Told him to wash, and what did he do? He went home receiving. There were ten lepers, amen, cried out to him with a loud voice, yeah, mercy on me. What happened? Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they weren't healed. Somewhere, if you're going to make a doctrine of he doesn't heal, then you better show me the narratives that back that up. They're not there. Now, I'm not saying it trying to tell you I've it all figured out or there aren't any questions on how these things play out in the real world in our lives. All I'm telling you is don't insert something into the Word of God that doesn't have any biblical basis for being there. Why? Because we're supposed to stick to what did God say. Frequently, I'll have people in the church service, I know they're about to die and go to hell. You understand what I'm saying to you? They're going to split hell wide open, and I know it. They're not right with God. As a pastor, I know this. In the Spirit, I know this. And yet, they did not accept Jesus Christ. I do not adjust my, my salvation theology based on their rejection of Jesus that day. And I do not base my theology of healing on whether I personally receive or not. It's got to be on the Word of God. So, hey, I want you all to get a Bartimaeus spirit about you this year. Come on, Bart. Jesus, Son of David. Come on, shout out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. What is mercy? It's the power of God and the ability of God to alleviate distress we find ourselves in this natural world. Yes, it can be spiritual distress first and foremost, but that's not the only distress that we experience in this life. And sometimes it's distress other people caused, and sometimes it's distress that we cause. Raise your hand if you're pretty good at creating distress all by your lonesome, all by your onesie. Fortunately, mercy doesn't care. You did that to yourself, so I'm not going to give you mercy. That's not how he thinks. That's how people think. You made your bed. <laughs> now, Elias, thank God he's not that way with us. You say, well, Pastor, I've got this down. You know, I, I'm, I'm firm in my foundation. I'm going to tell you something. I've seen a lot of people that have been firm in their foundation start listening to the wrong voice and lose their foundation. That's right. Their foundation for a great new year starts first and foremost with a conviction that the Word of God is first place and final authority. And I don't care what that voice is. I'll receive what I can receive, spit out the bones, but I am not going to adjust my thinking because of what somebody said or what somebody heard or what somebody went through. You are lowering the basis of your faith to human experience and human intellect. That's a dangerous thing to do. When you base your life off of what did God say, you're raising it to the realm of His intellect, His knowledge base. That's a fancy way of saying that God's smarter than you. Amen. Come on, say it. God's smarter. God's smarter. He knows what He's doing. So I want to just encourage you that, uh, boy, when you, you hear those voices out there from religion, shut up, shut up, shut up. And the secessionists, shut up, shut up, shut up. He doesn't do that anymore. He only did those things to prove His divinity. That's not what Scripture says. 
how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and how he went around doing good and healing. Oh, there's that word again. All who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Shout out all the more. Come on, say it. I have the spirit of Bartimaeus on me. You don't have to be mean, prideful, ugly. You just make sure that you, you speak out all the more when the voices of religion and of society and of the culture, amen, of friends and of family and co-workers and sometimes even people you fellowship with who aren't walking in that revelation, you just shout out all the more. Amen. Don't be like the Pharisees when they were stoning Stephen who put their hands to their ears while he was preaching to the last breath that he had on this planet because they didn't want to hear the truth. Amen? Glory to God. Listen to the right voice. And they tell you, hey, don't believe that. You cry out all the more. Amen? And I want you to cry out all the more in consistency with what Job said. Okay, so your beginning was small and insignificant. Your latter day is going to be filled with the prosperity of God. And let's define that word, okay? 3 John chapter 2, 3 John rather verse 2. Beloved, that's a term of endearment, isn't it? He didn't say, hey, stupid. Hey, no nothings. He was saying, as an apostle who knows about the love of God, Amen. I mean, you know, the, the man at the foot of the cross when everybody else left knows something about love and commitment and faithfulness. He's saying, Beloved, I love you. I care about you. This is for your benefit. I pray that you may what? Other translations I wish them of, of all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as what? Your soul, your soul prospers. So is, is soul prosperity a thing? Is it important? Yes. yes. In fact, what you're going to find out is any other area of prospering in life is tied to the condition of your soul. You're not going to rise above the level of the condition of your life spiritually. That's why if God's been dealing with you about something, make sure you don't drag that into 2023 with you because you'll automatically sandbag what he wants to do in your life in some department or some area. I pray that you may prosper in every way, that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Now write this down. The literal meaning of the word prosperity is not money. That's what the religious think. That's what the world thinks we mean. And despite the clear teachings of Scripture, it's much broader than anything just material. Listen, if you can get the root, you'll always have the fruit. Amen. Do you see this? Yes. We're talking about something much more significant than just some fruit here. We're talking about the root itself. Amen. All it is is a sense of well-being in every area of life. Amen. If all Jesus cared about, if the religious world is correct. Then the apostle would have said, I pray that you're doing well spiritually and I'll pray for you to that effect. That's not what he said. And that puts me in a position to either listen to, you know, the conventional armchair theologians out there 
or listen to what God says in his word? Do I go with spew tube? Huh? It was Mario Murillo, I think, that said this. He said that now that Elon Musk has bought Twitter, he's going to buy YouTube and then fire everybody, and he was also going to buy Facebook and then fire everybody. And he said he's going to rename the entire organization to You Twit Face. That's, <laughs> that's about the size of it, amen? <laughs> Funny guy. Are you here today? Well-being in how many areas of life? In how many? Oh. Hey, Bartimaeus. Somebody tells you you can't, you can't have abundance in all areas of life. What should you be doing? Crying out all the more. See, I'm crying out all the more this year. And you know what he's going to say? Shut up. You're bugging me. I don't do that stuff anymore. That was just to prove my divinity. You know what he's going to say? What do you want me to do? In fact, we have scripture on that, don't we? Ask anything in my name and what will happen. We, have even, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what he meant there. And then these voices tell us, well, you know, no, 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 only, only certain things. No, listen, if it's in the word of God, if it's promised to you and to me, if we're coming to people, then we can have what God says we can have. I'm going to say stick to the word of God. So what are you saying to me? I'm telling you that 2023 is going to be the biggest year of transformation you have ever seen in your entire life. You're going to see every aspect of your life transformed, amen, into the image, into the power, into the results of your God. And when somebody tries to contradict what the Word of God says over you, you cry out all the more, no, I'm going to have what God said I can have. That's the season that you're in. So what's my part in this? Well, when I hear the voices out there screaming, what you can't be, what you can't do, what you can't have, I'm going to lift up my voice even higher. Amen. Amen. Um, and you should too. If you pray for somebody and they die, you know what you should do? Go out and pray for a hundred more. Amen. If you sowed some seed financially and it seemed like your harvest didn't come in, go out and find five more people and sow into it. Drive the devil absolutely nuts. Tell him that your, your results are not going to determine whether you believe the Word of God or not. You're going to live as one who does believe the Word of God, and all your actions are going to be consistent with crying out all the more in every aspect of your life. It's a sense of well-being in every area of life. John tells us here there's a connection between spiritual health and physical health. Are you here? Now, that doesn't mean that if you are battling something somehow that you're bankrupt spiritually and you're a big sinner and you're going to go to hell. That's not what we're saying. Again, that's the interpretation of religion and the world. But if we listen carefully, he's just been saying, there's a foundation for all of our health, all of everything God's wanting to do in our lives, and it is a spiritual health. Everything right with your soul, being right with God, being at peace with God. The bottom line is it does have a connection. There's a connection between you know, the prosperity of your life spiritually and mental health. If you don't believe that, ask a pastor. Amen. Uh, you see a little bit in the body of Christ. We see a lot in the body of Christ. And there are a lot of kooks in the body of Christ. Why? Because they're not grounded spiritually. And they won't sit down and shut up long enough to receive the word that will renew their mind to stop being a kook. 
So am I going to stop preaching the uncompromised word because somebody wants to be kook instead of delivered? Of course not. I'm going to stick on what God had said. It's really simple for me. You say, why is that? Because I know what the mandate is. When we first came here, God said, preach the uncompromised word of God. And whenever so, we can teach the people to do the same. That hasn't changed. So when a voice comes by and flutters by saying, oh, you can't have this. and You can't preach that. You can't. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the Lord of the church issues the mandate to the preachers. Amen. Come off of it, and you're now disobedient. Does that make sense to you? So you have to be the same way on the receiving end of this. That you're not going to bow, amen, to some voice out there. There's a connection between spiritual health and emotional health. Is that a big deal? I can hardly wait for the message on emotional transformation. It's going to be quiet. Because there are a lot of people who love God, grounded, but they still don't walk in a high degree of emotional intelligence or maturity. And that is the very thing the devil uses to get them time and time and time again. They believe God, they love God, they love His Word, but they haven't allowed these things to impact the realm of their emotions. And until they do, they're not going to walk in victory. I didn't say it's easy. Being a Christian is not easy. Being a faith person is not easy believism. In fact, it's the, it's the toughest road you could have possibly chosen. Amen? One, you have to stand when everybody else plays games. Does that make sense? That's true. I mean, people that will might know, maybe going through something physically, but all they have to say is, well, God willed this, and now they're off the hook. There's no pressure there. God did it. End of story. I don't have any obligation to believe God, to resist the devil, and he'll flee from me. I have no obligation whatsoever to fight the good fight of faith and believe God for real victory and for real glory. All I'll do is just float on down that stream of unbelief. The easiest thing you can do is be a religious person. But you and I have been called to what? Paddle upstream. Believe when people won't believe. To cry out all the more. And if you're waiting for applause, you're not going to get it. You want applause? Look in the mirror and give it to yourself, because that's about all you're going to get. <laughs> I, have, I have a word from the Holy Ghost tonight for this church. You be on the front line because you're here tonight. Those of you who have stood and have walked with God are about to see the greatest breakthroughs and manifestations you've ever seen in your life because you would not quit. You would not come off of the word of God. You would not let somebody sour you or get you into a fence or pull yourself off of what you believe. God's going to honor that. And I'm there right with you expecting that the God of all creation who said, honor me and I will honor you. That's the kind of year it's going to be. So whatever you do, just, just say, well, that was a nice episode. Praise the Lord. Lord, help them. But don't you dare let that stuff get into your spirit. If somebody asks you about that, you just point out things like that. James the Lesser was not sick. There is no story in the Bible of an encounter like this. And if God wanted it there, just like he had an encounter with Andrew and Peter and Nathaniel and Philip, I promise you it would be in the Word of God. Yeah. Especially if it was as monumental as that to create an entire doctrine of unbelief from silence in Scripture. But it's not there. And you're Jesus, my Lord, 
never turned down a single person in his entire ministry. I think I'm going to go ahead and keep my faith in him. Regardless of what I see, feel, or hear. Outstanding, the Spirit of God says. Supernatural, marvelous, earth-shaking, family-shaking. Deliverances and miracles and signs and wonders are on the way. Receive that. But you can't go around poisoning your faith and get to that place. There's a strong connection between spiritual health and emotional health. But just because somebody's saved does not mean they're going to be emotionally healthy or strong. But they can be. Amen. Say it with me. I have, I have the mind of Christ. Mind of Christ. Jesus, Jesus is, is emotionally mature and emotionally intelligent. So am I. What does that mean practically, Pastor? I'll help you out with this. It means you can go through a horrible, horrible experience, be treated terribly, and come out even more loving on the other side. That's what it means. It, what it means is I can feel deeply. It doesn't mean you've been stripped of your ability to feel. It means that even though you felt strongly, that's not how you run your life. I feel the pain, but I choose the love. Listen to me. If you get this, there'll be no stopping you. How many people have you watched have been destroyed by a fence? Let me translate that for you. They were, they were destroyed by emotional immaturity. We just don't want to call things like that. And you'd be amazed how many people will tell you, yep, but I'm not offended. <laughs> and I wasn't born last night. Amen. There's a direct connection between spiritual health and relational health. That's an easy one. Especially if you have people in your family that aren't going down the same direction you are. Hey, you have a family member that, that walks into a ditch and won't come out, refuses to go down the path of life and victory and peace. You love them, you pray for them, you reach out to them, but you do not go down the same path with them emotionally and mentally. Because one day, hopefully, they will wake up. They don't need you to follow the Pied Piper into compromise. You need to be there to say, hey, praise the Lord, I prayed for you. Now let's get on with it. No judgment, no condemnation. Let's just, let's just get on with this stuff. Amen. Say it with me, a sense of well-being in every area of life. Every area of life? Yes. And if you just think for a moment, he has already done so much in every area of your life. He's just not done. He's far from finished. Amen. There is a direct connection between spiritual health and your career professional health. God is well able to promote you and give you the open door. Do things that seem impossible, even where man would say you're not qualified. How I many know all it takes is God qualifying you and sticking you up above the crowd? Say it with me. God's favor and blessing are on my life right now. Can he do that? Can he do that? Yeah. 
There's a direct connection between your spiritual health and your financial well-being. Oh, God doesn't care about that stuff. It's funny that people say that and they work themselves into an early grave to get it. How do you know what somebody really believes? By their action, their behavior. They'll go through five families. You know? They'll destroy everything to get some of it. But officially, because I have to be right in the eyes of the church, I don't want to be on the wrong side of this issue and become one of those prosperity people. So officially, I'm not for prosperity. But I do everything else in life to grab it. Legal, illegal, overworking, sacrificing marriages and kids and everything else in life to get it because I'm anti Prosperity. I want to be biblically correct. Your job is not to be, you know, you know, morally correct. I mean, not morally, but culturally correct. Your job is to be scripturally correct, not religiously correct. Amen. He cares about your financial well-being. Come on, say, God cares about my financial well-being. He's promised to take care of his people in any season. Amen. But your foundation is what? Your foundation is your spiritual health, and that's tied to what you do specifically with the Word of God. So when somebody screams, shut up, Bartimaeus, about this physical health, mental health, emotional health, relational health, professional health, financial health, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. What are you going to do? Going to cry out all the more. Amen. Not, psst, hey, Ruth, psst, are you one of those faith people? Psst. Because religion doesn't like that. Who cares what religion likes? Amen? Tell you what T.D. Jake said. He said, uh, it's not that people don't like you. They don't like the anointing on you. Denzel Washington said it like this. He said, your spirit aggravates their spirit. Because to know you is to love you. Right? So it can't be that. But you have something on the inside of you when you walk into a room where there's compromise, amen, and worldly living or thinking, you aggravate people. That's right. The pastor is saying, you've been called to the ministry of aggravation. And you didn't have a choice. What did I do? And there are people that have separated from you, and you're like, okay, why is that? What what did I do? What's the deal here? You know, I must be a horrible person. And he said this. He said, look, he goes, what you have lost is not tied to your blessing. God's going to bless you with what remains. Right. Let him go. Amen. Say it with me. Let him go. Let, Let go. my people go. Let him go. Let me help you out here. How I many know when somebody dies in our life and our family that we're close to, there is grief to contend with. And what is the temptation? The spirit of grief is the temptation. And when people absent themselves from your lives, what you're experiencing, why it's hurtful, is a form of grief. You understand what I'm saying to you? They're not dead, but they're what? They're gone. And what the devil is, tries to do with that person that absents themselves from you is to get you in a perpetual state of grief. Now, he does this 
with every single pastor in the country. This is where emotional maturity comes in. As pastors, you may see, you know, you know, a few people here and there, and, and they just they disappear. Some of them are just like ghosts. They're there, like Casper, poof, they're gone. Where did they go? Can I tell you something? If you would, if you would draw from a ministry um, and, and you work at, at a business or McDonald's and you'd at least give them two weeks' notice, how disrespectful is it not even to treat your family, your church family, Amen. with the same little Amen. level of respect Amen. like that? Just to, just to poof. Why would somebody poof? Emotional oh. immaturity and a lack of honor. Does that make sense? But over the course of many, many years, you'll experience this. Now, I know right now, 15 to 1,600 senior pastors are resigning in this, in, this church, in, this, in this country every month in a situation where the church is not in the greatest health the way it is. Why is that? I'll tell you why it is. Because the enemy locked them into a position of, of perpetual grief over loss. And eventually it took a huge toll on them. And they could not function on what they have left. Amen. Because of all the grief associated with loss. You, you can't possibly understand this unless you're in a five-fold ministry office and have had the responsibility of being a covering for a ministry, but I'll try the best that I can for you tonight. Look at somebody and say, this is good, I need to hear this. Come on, say, this is good, and I need to hear this. But let's say that you've lost a few people to death, and that's not nice or fun. We don't like that. I mean, you know, we, want to, we don't want to see that. We don't want to have you know, lost, uh, lost loved ones. And you may have lost a few people in your lives, friendships. Now, you multiply that by the thousands, and that's what's happening in ministries all over the country. You're in grief over a few friends or a few dead relatives. Ministers battle grief every single time they pour into somebody's life, and they absent themselves from that family, especially if it's a, abruptly and without any kind of respectful communication. Are you here? Everybody say, I hear you. So where you have to deal with the possibility of a spirit of grief, maybe every couple of years or decade or, or whatever, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yes. People in the ministry have to fight the spirit of grief nearly every single stinking day of their ministry. And you're not going to walk in spiritual health and have a spirit of grief on you at the same time. I kind of give you a tip here. The further you go into the things of the Spirit, sometimes it'll feel like the more people will separate from you. Yeah, that's true. Amen. And watch this. Nobody gets up and says, you know what I want to do in Wilma's life today? I want to sow some more grief into her life. So let's find five people to withdraw from her life so we can sow some grief. Nobody does that consciously. Well, there's probably a few that do. <laughs> but it's more the rarity. But it doesn't make any difference if we intentionally sow grief into people's lives. If we're sowing grief, we're not helping the kingdom of God. We're hindering it. So from a foundation of spiritual health, people need to be emotionally mature. Are you here today? And that's why you should be praying for all those in authority. You should be praying for pastors and leaders and staff members because they're seeing things that you're not experiencing. 
And the danger is to slip over into something that will totally dominate only, not only them, but whoever they're ministering to. And in fact, most people that, that, that do this have, don't have a clue the damage they're actually doing. They don't have a clue. Emotionally mature people have some kind of understanding of what their behavior does and doesn't do, what their words do and do not do, and adjust accordingly. What we should be doing is sowing faithfulness and integrity, amen, and honor and prayer. We should not go around sowing grief into people's lives. We should sow grace into their lives. Amen. So, what's the foundation? Being spiritually healthy. Tied to the Word of God. Say with me, there's a connection between spiritual health and physical health and mental health and emotional health and relational health and professional health and financial health and health in my will. Is that important? You ever know somebody that every time you turn around, they're making just... Just off-the-cuff decisions, they're over here, they're over there, they're up, they're down. This is God's will, that's God's will. I mean, God, it, God is in some serious need of medication when these people are concerned <laughs> because he's always changing his mind concerning them. And he's, really, he's probably just sitting back there going, here they go again. <laughs> Quote me, <laughs> saying God said, God did, God said, you know. What's the problem with that? The problem is that the spiritual health has not invaded this soulish area of the will so that they're grounded to be led of the Spirit of God, amen, and not by whatever feeling they have or fleshly response they have or issue they have with people. No, there's a foundation there. Amen. And, you know, to tell you that you can have a great new year and not have, you know, your spiritual health affect all these other dimensions of your life, it's not going to happen because the weakest point of that chain is what's going to undermine your life. Let's say you, you're doing real well spiritually and maybe physically, maybe in your career you're doing great, but you're still like a two-year-old emotionally. What is the devil going to use? Oh, he will send by all kinds of opportunities for your little heart to get offended. Until one of them works. How many does it take to get you out of the will of God? Just one. Just one. Amen. Everybody say it. Foundation, Foundation. For, a great new year. for a great new year is spiritual health. Spiritual. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul, your soul prospers. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Hey, that's a great place to shout and be glad. Now that was kind of that was kind of fake. Let's try that again. Shout, <laughs> shout and be glad. <laughs> who favor my righteous cause? Can I see in the hands of everybody who favors the cause of God? You're on God's side. You're on His team. That He's talking to you. Let them continually say, <laughs> "What? Let them do what? All right." Culture, Pharisees, religion, YouTubers, the world out there, Oprah, newscasts, gotcha journalists all say one thing. What are you supposed to continually say? Hey, Bartimaeus, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. 
So what's Bartimaeus' response to that voice out there? Cry out all the more. Come on, say it with me. Let the Lord, Let the Lord be, magnified be magnified who has pleasure, has pleasure in the prosperity, in the prosperity of, his of his servant. Break it down. It gives him pleasure when you are prospering spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, in your professional life, in your finances, in your will. It gives him pleasure. And who doesn't want to give the Lord pleasure? Amen. Say, I want to give him pleasure. <laughs> Say, I want to give him a bunch of pleasure. <laughs> I'm going to have all kinds of pleasure on my behalf this year. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now, you can't do anything about somebody else's decision, what they do with this year, but you have everything to say about what happens with you. As much as lies with you. Amen. You make sure that you line up with this scripture. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5, 16. And John 1, 1, and here you go. In the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. What does that tell you? It tells you in the beginning was the Word. So if you're going to do anything, you're going to begin anything, you're going to do anything, start anything, you need to begin on the foundation of what did God say. It separates your thinking from everything that contradicts that word. Amen. Say it. I'm a believing believer. He's for me, not against me. Come on, shout it out. I believe it's God's will that I prosper in every way and be in health, even as my soul prospers or is getting along well. That's the key to understand what it means to prosper in your soul is a, is, a, is a pivotal point of what you'll be hearing this year. But as you do, and as your soul prospers, you lay hold of every dimension God has promised you He would move in. And uh, don't let anybody shout you down. How many of you say you have a little more revelation than Bartimaeus had? And yet he refused to be silent. Amen. So glory to God. Whatever you do, um, deal with the things in your life. Judge the things in your life. Repentance is positive. If an attitude is there or a speech pattern is there or a practice is there, repent of it. You want to go into a new year very, very healthy spiritually. Amen. Can I have a better amen than that tonight? Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap and thank him for his word tonight. Glory to God.